0: Greetings everybody, this is a Travel Addict Podcast where you can hear candid stories and discussions about business and adventure travel from around the world. With activities such as trekking, diving, camping, driving, cruising and just plain chilling out somewhere, we talk about lots of experiences in places all over the world including the grand, the remote, the edgy, the risque and ones of questionable merit. Education, fulfillment and wonder enrich our lives. And of all the books in the world, the best stories are found between the pages of a passport. Stay tuned. Hello, everybody. Malcolm Teasdale here, the travel addict. Hope everyone is doing fine today. Weather's a bit better here in Destin, Florida, which is a good thing. Been miserable for the last few days. Today... I have a gentleman with me, and he's an expert photographer. Jeremiah Gilbert is an award winning photographer and a travel writer who has explored over 100 countries around the world. Welcome to the 100 plus country club. <laughs> so uh, <thank> he, you. <laughs> he's been around. But he also writes as well, and he lives in California. We'll talk about the books and stuff a bit later on. So I'm always interested in. Uh, Travel photography and travel writing, but speaking to people who travel extensively in their life, so definitely Jeremiah fits the bill there. So, how you doing, young man? All right?
1: Oh, doing pretty well. Here in Southern California, nice and sunny and warm as always in December or January winter.
0: <laughs> you know, I was just think it is down there. It's probably some of the best best climate in the nation, isn't it? Down in Southern California.
1: So you... our our winters are brilliant. Summers can get a little hot, but the the Winters are brilliant.
0: It's the same here. We had freezing, free, freezing rain um, yesterday morning here. It's really weird. I don't know. But uh, we survived. So you're a photographer. You've been doing it for a while. And I've looked at some of your work. Um, great pictures, by the way. Uh, so first Thank question. <laughs> yeah. Why did you want to become a photographer?
1: Basically, uh, growing up, my father was an artist. And at the time, he was a, a painter. And he did, like, photorealism. Uh, later in life, he became a cartoonist, which is quite the shift. But uh, wow. when I was younger, he did that. And so I tried my hand at it. It wasn't particularly good at painting. Uh, wasn't very good with a brush, a little heavy handed. Uh, so I had kind of focused more on writing um, and on music. But when I got into high school, my best friend at the time was taking a course in photojournalism. And he was looking for someone to go out and take photos with and just practice. Yeah. So I said, sure, I'll give it a try. Um, so that led to, you know, I'd had an interest to have a, you know, visual creative outlet. So I gave that a try and I started to enjoy it. And he taught me the basics. Now, mind you, this was back in the days of film. So um, I bought the same camera as him. We'd go out with a couple rolls of film, come back. One of our parents... Bathrooms would be converted into a dark room. (laughs) We developed the film. Uh, But it it gave me a real interest, and we shot all black and white, and just really enjoyed it. So did that for, you know, off and on just as a hobby for for many years. Then in 2006, I was hired, the year before, I was hired full-time as a professor at the college I still teach at. And when you get hired full-time, that means you don't have to work summers versus as yeah. a part-timer, you you, know, you have to. So that was my first summer, 2006, that I didn't have to. So I decided to switch to digital because that was my first trip, big trip, which was to Tibet. And I just wasn't sure about film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that trip, uh, one, got me into digital, and two, sort of aligned, you know, the photography up to then was just a hobby, just sort of did it. Now I had a focus, and i focused my photography on travel, and I've been doing that ever since.
0: Interesting. What's your uh, equipment of choice?
1: Current travel camera is the Nikon z 6 which is my first foray into mirrorless. Uh, before that, it was the Nikon DF and the Nikon D7000. I've been shooting Nikon for quite a while now. Yeah. Um, I also have a little Leica, the CL, because they have near pancake lens for that camera. So if I want to do a little more discreet photography or maybe some street photography, I bring that one along. Um, and then my, I absolutely love wide angle. So you'll notice most of my photos are shot. Currently, I use the 14 to 30 millimeter wide angle lens. Uh, I just, for some reason, it just really... Fits my eye. I like having a lot in the composition.
0: Yep. Uh,
1: you know, not all photos, but a, a good majority of them are shot with that. And I also take a twenty-four to seventy with me for you know a little little bit of a zoom. And I have a uh, low aperture fifty millimeter that I use for like street photography. Uh, I shot uh, some night markets in Taiwan using that lens because I can shoot handheld with you know very minimal lights. It's very enjoyable
0: hmm interesting so if i put this in front of you can't sit it's a bit better than an iphone 12 then
1: a little bit better yeah
0: okay i was just being cynical there i, I just bought this recently but it's a step up from what i had before was the iphone 8 now do, apart from photography do do you make videos as well
1: no i just use stills
0: okay interesting um, the reason i ask that is um i You've heard of the GoPro camera, and uh, up until recently, I had the GoPro Hero Four. I do scuba diving, and I just invested in a Hero Nine, and it's got a, uh, a setting there for 4K at uh, cinematic. And I happened to be diving recently in the Caribbean, and the the difference is dramatic. It's unbelievable, you know. So obviously, the technology has improved over the years. So uh, that's good. Uh, iPhone will have to do me uh for a while and it, it gets me by obviously you're in that business so yeah i got out the the um uh, the great equipment and i know nikon is probably one of the most respected makes out there of camera which uh, i that i recognize do you remember back all those years ago yeah you know when i was growing up yeah i had a camera Kodak Instamatic or something like that i don't know what it was but you take a we used to take a roll of film put it in the camera manually had 12 pictures inevitably you'd mess one up but you take it to be developed and i said yeah i'm sorry mr teesdale but uh, three or four of your pictures didn't turn out just bad luck because you couldn't delete them back then <laughs> so right. it's the old-fashioned way and uh, but god it's come a long way hasn't it digital photography it's amazing love it
1: you No, know, it's it's fascinating because my first camera was fully manual yes yeah, so you manually load the film you manually advance it you know manual focus I remember I used to shoot a particular type of film, uh, Tri-X Pan 400. Love that film. And then one day I saw there was this Pan X 125. Oh, I'm going to give that a try. Did not take into account it let in so much more light. That whole roll of film was like, what the hell happened here? <laughs> <You know? laughs> Went right back to the Tri-X 400.
0: You know? Oh, dear, oh, dear. Uh, yeah, I wonder what it'd be like in 20 or 30 years' time. Who, who the heck knows? Um, but you know, I, I, about a year or so ago, I remember talking to a professional photographer, uh, like yourself and what I learned from, I don't know if it's true with what, what you do, but, uh, photographers like yourself can, can set up a shop or, or set up the camera somewhere and wait for literally hours for that special moment to occur before you take the picture. Now, are you one of those, especially wildlife, I would imagine is one of them, or sunrise or sunset, specific environments, but they just set up and wait for that special moment so they can click or take the picture. And that's what they do. Are you like that? You just sit, sit around for hours, wait for the right moment?
1: No, I, I tend not to be. When I do something like that, it, it tends to be street photography. I remember a couple of years ago, I was up in Seattle and happened to be in a cab. I noticed this scene outside of a coffee shop. Of all things, um, just loved it. There was there was you know some neon lighting. There was some street art. So I did walk back, set up what I thought would be a good shot, and just waited until someone interesting walked into the shot to give it that you know human element. But thankfully, that took maybe five minutes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah okay. It's always really spur of the moment things. T- things can be uh, the, the best pictures, you know. And uh, I, lo- I looked at your Instagram page and I saw a couple of pictures on there. And I was scrolling through, I thought, that's a scorpion. He got up close personal with a scorpion, but it's, it's actually <laughs> a statue, isn't it?
1: Is it's a statue, yes.
0: Where was that?
1: There's some desert art out here. Uh, Anzo Borrego is the area, it's a, a sort of a desert uh, national park uh, just past Palm Springs. And there's this huge setup. There's over 100 pieces. It's metal statuary, but it's, you know, 5, 10 feet tall. Uh, So recently did an outing out there. Just thought, you know, I've always heard about it. Uh, There's a sort of kind of map of where to find them. And it's one of those just sort of you see them, you go a little off road. Uh, So probably the photographing of maybe 20 or 25 of them. It was a lot of
0: fun, actually. Actually, that's interesting. i surprised that. To me, like, um, statues and artwork is becoming stranger every day. Um, wherever you go in the world, you see some. What on earth would make someone make that or would allow it to be put in this location? I don't know. I'm a bit old-fashioned, I guess. Um, but another one of your pictures, and I'm intrigued by this, and you can explain this, the travel decision
1: tree. Oh, Yes. Yeah, I was joking with my wife one day, and because before I met my my, my wife, my approach was pretty much, "Have I been? No, let's go." Um, whereas my wife is more, "We just came from Asia, so next trip maybe we'll do Europe or Africa." Yeah, you know, or we just came from desert, so maybe we'll do jungle. He likes to, to mix yeah. it up that way. Got it. Um, and so I was thinking, well, yeah, I, I guess I've evolved a little bit. Uh, so I, I thought I'd write that up. So pretty much, you know, it's still the, have I been, no, let's go. Uh, but if I have been, then will I see something I haven't, didn't see the last time I went? Yeah. Uh, you know, if so, let's go. And then even if I will see it, do I think I'll take a better photo of it this time? <laughs> 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 if so, let's go. Uh, because, you know, the, the wonderful thing about travel is, that, you know, it's very fixed. So, for instance, you know, I was last in. we were planning a trip to Peru uh, 2020 when things went into lockdown. um, And we're hoping to go there at the end of this year. But, you know, it's been 15 years since I was last in Peru. And, you know, I loved Peru. I'm actually looking forward to going back. And I just, you know, I know I have a different eye now. I have different equipment. I just think photographically I'll do a much better job. Uh, And it's somewhere I really enjoyed. You know, same thing with Panama. I was there when they were building the extension of the canal. Mm -hmm. I would really like to go back and actually see it now, you know? Yeah. Uh, So, you know, to me, it's, you know, I don't like to repeat myself. Uh, It's fun. I get the most joy from going somewhere I've not been before. Um, That said, you know, I find myself in London a lot. Uh, My wife's from Beijing, so I found myself in Beijing a lot. So each time I go, I try to find new things, something I haven't seen before do something different, yeah. or like I said, maybe just an appreciation, you know, I've been to this market before, but not at night or something like that, you know?
0: You made a statement on your profile. It says, your hope is to inspire those who see his work, but look more carefully at the world around them in order to discover the beauty in unusual and unexpected places. And that is so true. Yeah, we are very proud of our country. We live here, um, obviously by choice, but there's so many unbelievable places of beauty around the world. And they're all worth seeing, if you can. So uh, that, that's good. It's very uh, very much an educational experience as well. So you mentioned Panama there. And just tell me a little bit about Panama. Did you like it as a country or were you in Panama City itself? Or what?
1: Oh, no. I explored the country. Uh, very much enjoyed it. I was not sure. What to think about it in fact it, i wrote in my my journal at the time you know i kind of came into panama really knowing nothing yeah uh, except maybe you know we had a a uh incursion there to get rid of Noriega the u.s back in the 90s and you know and then and the canal and that was pretty much it yeah so for me it was you know really learning about the country i was fortunate to be on uh, both the pacific um uh, and the caribbean or yeah pacific and the caribbean side yeah. um and just you know get a sense of the country and, and you know the country beyond the canal, or even you know around the canal. there's some there's some towns that were built specifically for the construction of the canal. yeah, and you know they they're still there. Yeah. Um, people still live there, but learning the history of it is you know fascinating. yeah, so no, I thought it was it was very interesting. though the one thing I do remember was you know, after doing the country, I was in back in Panama City, wanted to go into the old part of town. And I was told, well, technically you could walk, but you'd be walking through a section that still isn't very happy with America. (laughs) So you might want to take a cab. Yeah, that
0: that exists everywhere. There's always every city in the world has an area which you shouldn't venture into. Just curious, uh, the reason I mentioned Panama is International Living Magazine rated Panama as the number one place to retire for expats. They've done ex- extensive studies, but Panama came out on top uh, because of the, the healthcare system, the beaches, standard of living, and all that stuff. So uh, it's good to hear your, your view on that. I went there; I only spent about four or five days there many many years ago, just on a business trip. I enjoyed it. Uh, I didn't get to go down the Panama Canal, unfortunately, but uh, I, I enjoyed my visit there. As we get more into travel stuff, you've written a couple of books. The first one is called From Tibet to Egypt. Now. I know Tibet. I've been to Tibet and Egypt, and it's funny that you sent from Tibet to Egypt, opposite sides of the planet, and blah blah blah. And I looked at the route you took from Tibet, then on to Mexico's Copper Canyon, which seems a bit strange to me. You didn't go straight there from Tibet, right. so <laughs> I'm assuming you were in Lhasa in Tibet, right?
1: Yes.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. So that book, I'm assuming, explained your journey from Lhasa en route to, let's say, Cairo, Egypt. Is is that what the book's all about?
1: That book is, what I wanted to share was, you know, I started late traveling. So I was 34 when I first left the country. And there was a couple of reasons for that. Uh, One was my father was not a traveler and he was afraid of flying. So the few family vacations we did were, you know, in a car, you know miles hundreds of miles a day hated it um but also i said you know i'm an academic so i pretty much you know after high school went into college went into grad school yeah and then i started teaching and you know as an adjunct they said you have to work at two or three colleges you know summers are not optional so it was something you know i was had a growing interest in so you know as i studied you know philosophy and world religion and you know watched National Geographic. It was always an interest. Yep. It just wasn't an opportunity. So when I finally, you know, I said that summer 2006, hey, I don't have to teach this year. Um, I thought, well, you know, I, when I when I was an undergraduate, I studied Eastern philosophy for a little and I was really taken with Buddhism. And so when I was also fortunate to catch the Dalai Lama. You know, he was speaking in L.A. And so that just sort of made me think, OK. You know, to bet there's just something, you know, mystical, magical about this place.
0: Oh, no doubt about it.
1: Yeah. Let me give that a try. Um, And it was an amazing trip. And so that just sort of sparked a love of, you know, an interest in travel at the time. But then, you know, I'm I'm fortunate as a college professor. You know, I have a winter break. I have a summer break. Yeah. uh, Spring break. We now have a Thanksgiving break. uh, But I do have to, you know, piece my traveling you know, with one exception, uh, back spring 2014, I had a sabbatical. So I was able to spend like three months in Asia. Yeah. But normally it's, it fits and starts. So basically, I you know, did Tibet, loved it, got thinking, and that, you know, well, I'd heard about Copper Canyon in Mexico and how it was, you know, much deeper and more vast than Grand Canyon. Let's give that a try. Yeah. You know, and take the train down there. You know, and then Peru. I've always wanted to go to Machu Picchu. Uh, so it just sort of you know piecemeal came together. So that's how I ended up this really weird route. Um, yeah, I'm just reading said, that. It know- is a
0: bit strange. Obviously through Central Europe, Tunisia, Panama, and uh, the Balkans. Some bit of time in London, of course, and up there. So you went on basically all over the place, sort of a, a random trip. Uh, but anyway, you got to where you wanted to. You go to, uh, yeah. which is which is real good. It must. How long did that process take? How long did that that from beginning to end take?
1: That book covers almost five years. So it was, you know, because after the first trip, I loved it. But, you know, I was inexperienced, spent way too much money, uh, (laughs) overpacked also. Uh, So, you know, I had to save up a little. But after about, I'd say by about the second year, you'll start to see, okay, I'm doing a summer trip. I'm doing a winter trip. Uh, Panama was when I realized, hey, I've got a spring break. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I can I can do a short trip. You know, pop down to maybe Central America. Uh, so just sort of became you know, and everyone at work knew. You know, summer's coming. Oh, where's he going? Oh, winter break. Where's he going? <laughs> you know. <laughs> so it just sort of became this pattern. And was, pattern. You know, and I, I still follow the pattern for the most part. To be honest with you.
0: It's, it's funny how you you started with Tibet. Of all places, it's not it's when you started traveling, typically it's not the first place someone would choose. Tibet is obviously, it's almost like going back in time there. And I spent about a week in Lhasa, So you obviously saw Patala Palace and Sarah Monastery. You probably saw the monks debating there. It's very spiritual, and people are so religious there. But it is a special place, no doubt about it. Well, I when I went there, I wasn't allowed to go by myself. I'm I don't like organized tours, but I had to be part of a tour group right. to actually go in. So you went through all that. But yeah, that don't let, don't, yeah, I should say to everyone out there, don't let that put you off. Uh, because you got no choice, but it's a rather special place uh, to go and visit. Now, moving on, your next book was Can't Get Here From There. Now, I saw one comment in this book that you wrote. Explain. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you to explain this camel jacking camel jacking now come on What? what's that
1: well, I can tell you I, I've not had good experiences with camels I've had like four times now each has, had had a sort of adventure to it um but that was Cairo and we were in you know at the pyramids and my wife had gone off I'm not sure or I went off one of us went off and I'm just wandering around. The next thing I know, I see this guy with the camel. and He's like, oh, good picture, good picture. You know, oh, no, thank you. And then I still don't quite know how somehow, you know, next thing I know, I'm up on the camel. And he's taking me around. Oh, good picture, good picture. And then he wouldn't let me off the camel until I paid him. But the problem was I didn't have any money and my wife had the money and uh, I didn't know what yeah, my wife yeah. was. Okay. You know? <laughs> uh, I had to keep telling him, I'm sorry, I have no money. Yeah, I need my wife. Once my wife's here, you'll get paid. He wouldn't let me off the camel. So <laughs> that's what I call the camel jacking. <laughs> you know?
0: That's funny. That's, that's really funny. <laughs> so ultimately, your wife must have turned up when you paid the guy, right?
1: Yeah. So finally, my wife showed up. She's like, what in the world are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, can you please pay this man so I can get off this camel? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well
0: sooner or later. I sooner or later the camel would have just laid down on the ground, you know. Right, right. <laughs> well, while you were there, I don't know if you went to the Great Pyramid of Giza, did you actually go inside a pyramid?
1: No, no.
0: unfortunately not. Yeah. Okay. Well just to comment there. That's that's fairly spooky actually, but um a neat, neat experience. Now, traveling is a big part of your life or has been. So, I'm going to ask you some questions of where you've been, and uh, you can be honest with this. Now, okay. places you've been. Now, you've been to a lot, a lot of countries or a lot of territories, which are basically still nations. What's the most dangerous place you've been to?
1: Well, I, can, I don't know. That it was necessarily you know any personal danger, but I was. I had this idea. I, I'm actually writing the. Uh, that book i realized i've done this twice now when the world was supposed to end and i decided hey let, let's go where it's supposed to end so in 2012 was the end of the mayan calendar yes yeah. and so everyone's predicting the end of the world and so okay let's go so i wanted to be in the, in the mayan areas so i was in a very southern uh part of mexico very near guatemala and i'm not sh- Sure, even to this day, what was happening, but I went off on a little day trip to visit a couple uh, small villages. Yeah, and the whole drive going into the town I was leaving were trucks filled with masked armed men. Yeah, and I'm like, huh, and you know, I'm, I'm gonna be returning to this town <laughs> you know, this evening. Uh, but I was assured, oh no, there's just a demonstration, they're upset about something. Yeah,
0: okay, got uh, it.
1: But you know, it was a little disturbing. Um when I was in Peru also there was there was some sort of march and demonstration happening. Um so again, didn't quite know what was going on, just decided, okay, I don't want to get caught up in it. I'm gonna kind of just <laughs> get out of this march, you
0: know? have <laughs> <laughs> gotta be careful. I was recently in Kiev Ukraine, because Ukraine's in the news right now, but just mm-hmm. last September, I was in Kiev. And I found myself in the middle of a demonstration, walking through it just to get to a historical place. And it was a peaceful demonstration, but it's sort of edgy, but I felt safe there. Obviously, it's probably a little bit different now. We'll see what happens there. But that's interesting, what you said there. So what's the most beautiful place you've been to?
1: I would say, as a photographer, you can't beat the skies in Tibet. That was some of the most amazing blue sky, clouds, yeah, mm-hmm. every stop we we made, I I made excuses to photograph. I mean, the architecture is gorgeous. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, I yeah you know, I have an appreciation for Buddhism, uh, particularly Zen Buddhism, which tends to be very minimalistic.
0: Yeah.
1: So to then go to Tibet and every square inch of everything is covered with you know paintings and statuary uh, is is quite something. Uh, but it's just you know very striking. Mm. Um, I'm also very fortunate that there's a uh, water town in China named Wuzhen. And um, my wife and I were in Beijing visiting her family. Her mother happened to be there. And she told us about this place. But she said, but the interesting thing about it is it tends to be day trips. But, you know, why don't we go there and spend it a few nights? Yep. And so the interesting thing about Wuzhen is, you know, not only is it all along the water, but they're also known for their lanterns. So at night, all the lanterns are lit and they're reflected on the water. Mm -hmm. And it's just simply stunning. It was just, I was so glad to be in, you know, all the tourists have left. There's only a few people there. It was amazing.
0: Yeah. Unbelievable, you know. This always comes up and it's not obvious. You know, people have different tastes in places they go to. But what was your most, if I call it correctly, most disliked or overrated place?
1: Overrated for me, I honestly have to say Versailles. Versailles. Uh, I love I love Paris. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, Versailles. The site is incredible. Yeah. But with the thousands of people, and you know, you're kind of constantly moving in inside the structure. Yeah. So I can say, if you could go a time that's very you know low season, Mm -hmm. or maybe the first tour in the morning would probably be fine. When I went, I just it was like a cattle call. I just I just didn't enjoy it. Um. And I, I had a bad experience in Jamaica, but that was more on me. It was, I got sick. I was That year, I kept getting this sort of, I think it was a, a recurring sinus infection. Oh, okay. So it was one of those, you know, I came into the country not feeling very well. Uh, we had booked a sort of local resort who would not let you into your room before it hit three o'clock. <laughs> we got oh, there well, like yeah. 8 a.m. And then you know i'm very fortunate usually insects don't bother me uh mosquitoes don't touch me but there was something in jamaica that loved my ankles and, <laughs> and it was just not a good experience so i don't blame the country in that case no no it's just go back uh, someday yeah. you
0: know? yeah, that, stuff like that happens doesn't it um mosquitoes or i've just been down in the caribbean i got nibbled by sand flies down there so i had to Go and see a doctor about it.
1: No big deal. You know, it's just one it of those happens. things that
0: happen. Yeah. yeah, it's funny. My overrated place would people would be amazed at that. And what it, mine is Venice, Italy, and mm. because of the two volumes of people there, and similar to what you went through in Versailles, maybe just too many people. And um, the city I can see is nice, but consequently, other places in Italy, Rome, and and especially Florence, gorgeous, but. You know, I wouldn't go back to Venice again. A lot of people would disagree with me, but that's uh, that's the way I feel. Now, wildest nightlife. I don't I don't know if this was when you were single or because you're married now. Wildest nightlife.
1: One of the craziest experiences I had was Christmas Eve in Cusco, Peru, which is like our New Year's Eve. It's just amazing, you know. And so the, I was traveling with a small group, and we were told about this. Um, party that was going on and a few people wanted to go to it and so okay, okay. let's go and you know the the um one of our group a single female was sort of chaperoning as it were uh at her drink of choice was vodka so lots of vodka shots um so i learned that night i have a very high tolerance for vodka <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah we were we were dancing and drinking and everything until after four in the morning. And then when we decided to finally crawl back to the hotel, it was still, I mean, I was just amazed at how they celebrate Christmas. It was just in- incredible. Awesome. Um, so I, I always remember, I remember that because at first we couldn't quite find the place we were going to. We ducked down a couple alleyways and kind of got a hostile you know, <laughs> moment. This doesn't look so good. Uh, but when we found a place It was no problem. It was a lot of fun and very safe. Mm,
0: how many years ago was
1: that? Oh, that would have been... Probably 15 years ago.
0: 15 years ago. Yeah. Would, you do, would you do it now, stay out, out to four, in the, four o'clock in the morning?
1: Yeah, it was interesting because of the five of us who went out, I was the only one up the next morning, no problem, no headache. <laughs> uh, taking photos, it was Christmas Day, I was enjoying it. I doubt that would be my experience
0: now. <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah, you bad boy. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Yeah. All right. Uh, well, I'll get it to my wildest nightlife, but it's uh, to do with Thailand, as you can imagine. Uh, now, basically, um, you know, when you say one trip is enough, I think you've already mentioned that. Um, so we'll, we'll jump on that. What's a place, and I think you hinted at this early on, that you would always want to go back to? Like, you really like it you feel comfortable there and, you'd go back there like two or three times a year. Is that anything that anything comes to Well, mind? areas
1: that, yeah, I mean, I have gone back to regularly is uh, we were doing a pattern uh, before COVID hit where we're pretty much alternating each summer. We'd base one summer out of London yeah, because uh, my wife's mother is still in London and okay. I actually have family from the UK. And then the other we'd base out of Beijing. Yeah. And so, as I mentioned, because of that and because I like to see new things, you know, I've explored a fair amount of the UK, you know, and then, you know, China is its own country or is its own world. Yeah, um, There's always so much more to explore. So it's one of those that, you know, those I don't mind going back to even Peru. You know, I, the trip we were planning on going on, I, I found a trip where the first half was an area I've not been. Yeah. So let's do that. And then the second half, I have been, but my wife's not been. Uh, because, you know, I just, I enjoy, you know, either seeing something new or, you know, a new experience. So you go back and here's someone, here's somewhere I went when I was single. Now I'm married. That's a little different. Yeah, exactly. uh, but yeah, no, London, I, I particularly enjoy. And also, you know, from the UK, it's so easy to get throughout Europe and even into Africa. Yeah, sure. Um uh, and the same thing with Beijing, you know, the rest of China, Asia, they're, they're, they're really nice hubs.
0: Yeah. Be- Beijing is, i um, been there a couple of times. I found I passed through Beijing to even get Mongolia when I went there. But I had to go to Beijing to um, to work a couple of times to meet with people. And there's a little, um, say, market close where I was staying, and I went there. And it's amazing to see all the food, food types that are there, like scorpions on a stick, mm. other bugs on a stick there. And they're deep fried, so how bad can it yes. be? Yeah, exactly. And But I remember the very first time I went there, I had a business meeting. And luckily, I don't speak Chinese, but the people I'm meeting with, they spoke English. So, hey, Malcolm, we're going to take you to one of our favorite restaurants down the street for lunch. You all right? With that? I said, yeah, absolutely. So um, we got in the restaurant, and I said, just order for me. I don't care. So I said, sure. So in front of me was put a plate of chicken feet.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so... I looked at it. I thought, okay, what do I do now? I, I, I'm, I'm going to do the right thing and eat some local food. So all I said to the ones, can you pass a hot sauce, please? <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. It's called a lap, but you, you got to fit in, and it wasn't that bad, actually. It was just fine. Suffice to say, if it's fried, it's how bad can it be? Exactly. So um, <laughs> yeah. anyway, Beijing's good, like Beijing, great city. Um, okay, now, where would be a retirement destination for you? Like, if it's not where you are now, where would it be?
1: I'm not sure. We've we've been actually talking about this because I, I turned fifty last year, so you know, starting to think more about retirement than you know I have it in the past. It wasn't closer to retirement back then, um, and you know, the, the the challenge with the U.S. is just the cost of health care, yeah. and so I've been you know thinking that you know even if the house is paid off, which is the plan, um, I'm just not sure. So you know we've thought of the UK because um, like I said my my mother in law is still in London and she owns her house. Yeah, uh, we've looked into some parts of Mexico, uh, Costa Rica often comes up yeah. as an expat community. I uh, had not thought of Panama, um, but yeah, it's a it's a thought. Uh, you know, my hope is you know if I can make it to a certain age or my retirement. Benefits are decent, and like you said, the house is paid off. Don't have you know car loans and such. Yeah, I'm very happy to stay here in California. This is where I was born and raised, and you know I've always lived it here. But you know have to. You know I've seriously considered London simply from a you know if the house is paid off and healthcare is covered. You know, and I enjoy it. I mean, mm-hmm. I, my my hope is by then my, my more crazy, wilder, you know, off the beaten path trips are done. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and I said, it's so easy from London to get to so much of, of Europe and it's, you know, it'd be a nice destination. Um, but yeah, you know, we'll see.
0: Yeah. London of course is very, very expensive, especially as you get towards the center, even the outskirts are pretty, pretty expensive these days as well, but there's always the English countryside, Uh, My wife and I have booked um, what we are doing in June, is going to rent a cottage in in the English countryside for a month. Mm. Um, My sister still lives over, plenty of friends. We just want to get into the countryside, close to a train station, not really rent a car, but we can get on the train. The public transport system is excellent over in uh, Great Britain, actually. So we get on a train, we can go anywhere to visit friends and relatives, but stay in the countryside as long as it's got few pubs and Indian restaurant, we're good to go here. So
1: oh, no. it's, it's, that, it's,
0: that would
1: that'd be an ideal for me too. That, that's my thought. As long as you're near the train station, you know, I, I'm good. Yeah. And I just yeah, Indian's my favorite food. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you a <laughs> you know good you
1: curry, mean. I'm happy.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, funny that through lockdown, we, we learned the art of uh, cooking Indian curries at home. And if you hmm. want to cook them at home, let me recommend a book for you. It's okay. um This book was created from, there's, as you know, in, in Britain, there's a stack of Indian restaurants there, right? And they're all generally good. And this has been built up through the generations because there's been a large um Indian population there, people from Pakistan and Bangladesh. So suffice to say, there's a lot of Indian restaurants, but the British food tends to be a bit bland, so people have migrated to Indian food, and it's extremely popular. So you can go to a small village in England, and they may have – like one or two pubs, maybe maybe a, a guest house doesn't contain many people, but there'd be probably be three Indian restaurants there. It's right. weird, but that's the way it is. People migrate to Indian restaurants now. A, a cookbook for Indian food has been developed by this uh, gentleman about uh, Indian restaurants, and, and then it gives you all the recipes of food. Misty Ricardo. So go on Amazon, type in Misty Ricardo, you'll see it, and it's excellent. So if you want to cook more Indian food at home, that's that's a recommended book. All right. I
1: will definitely look it up. All
0: right. So, anyway, before we sign off here, um, Jeremiah, um, how can people reach you if they want to read about you, learn about you? I know you've got a couple of websites. Why don't you tell everyone uh, where they can find you?
1: Yeah. Easiest is to go to my website, which is jeremiahgilbert.com. And from there, you can click on books. If you want to see the books I've written, uh, you can see My portfolio, I break it down you know, black and white, street travel. Uh, also, bottom of the home page, you know, see my link to Instagram. So, the Instagram tends to be where I post most frequently and most current. Yeah, um, uh, I'll get around to getting it on the website, <laughs> that sort of thing. Uh, but you know, if you click on news, you'll see the most recent things that I'm, I'm working on. Or, right now, I'm, I'm doing some little one page extracts from the latest travel book. Okay, um. Just to give people, you know, a, a sampling, um, so that's that's the best place. That's where, you know, like I said it's the most up to date. If you're most interested in the photography, then please visit the uh, Instagram page. If you want to go directly, it's JG underscore Travels, um, and okay. I said that's where I try to be up to date. I mean, obviously, the past few years it's all been you'll see from the archives. <laughs> you know, <laughs> i revisiting. I was recently revisiting what Kosovo and uh, Macedonia. Uh, We've done a you know, my wife and I have done a few trips uh around California, which has been nice. Like you said, you know, I mean I'm a native Southern Californian. Yeah. And you know, we did a trip down to Temecula, and I decided rather than take the freeway, I am going to take a back way I've never gone before. And I I found some parts of the state I'd never seen that was just amazing. Yeah. So um, you know, it's it's been enjoyable in that regard. Uh and yeah, I'm I'm hoping to get back out there. Just, you know, I can't tell you how many failed plans or then either the trip itself got canceled or the flight got canceled and twice where they made a change to the flight, uh, that either like I was going to fly through Miami, but the second half of the flight got canceled. So it's like, okay, (laughs) I'm not sure how I'm supposed to get there. Uh, or another one, they, they changed it. So there there was a layover, but the second flight left before the first flight arrived. Yeah. So not quite sure how that was supposed to work. Um, so yeah, I have, a, I have a spreadsheet now of travel credits and trying to keep track yeah,
0: of I, I bet you do. Uh, Yeah, I, I know it's confusing, isn't it? Uh, but also, you, you, you can't foresee some of these delays and cancellations, but hopefully this will be a better year. So keep your fingers crossed, right? Hope so. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, Jeremiah, it's been uh, good talking to you and thanks for the insight into your life and uh, good photography, excellent photography, by the way. And uh, I'll uh, add a little bit more of you Uh, read a bit more of your books here. Um, I'm intrigued by that, but uh, I wish you well. And, uh, oh, you're on LinkedIn, did you say?
1: Yes, I'm also on LinkedIn.
0: Okay. I'll I'll track you down on LinkedIn and uh, connect with you. And uh, okay. Well, take care of yourself. Keep in touch. And thanks for being here.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. Very much enjoyed it.
0: Thank you. Bye-bye. Many thanks for joining me today. This is Malcolm Teasdale signing off. Before I do, please check out my website, malcolmjteasdale.com for more information about my travels around the world. Okay, folks, talk to you later. Bye for now. Stay safe.